with David Ian and Kate Dale. The show that plums the depths of mediocrity, celebrates the ordinary, and enjoys the everyday. Hello and welcome to Mediocre Gay, the podcast. I'm Kate Dale. And I am David Ian. David, what's been bothering you this week? Which <laughs> bothering me. I mean, so many things. <laughs> Actually, I was talking to my friend the other night about music from when we were kids. And it reminded me, so I was a massive fan of Eternal. Do you remember Eternal? Yes. Don't and know you song. No. Don't, please don't. And um, I remember, I got really passionate about the fact that when I, I was in primary school and um, we had to like write about our favourite band or something and who our favourite band member was and my favourite band member was Kelly and I'd written this out and I got into trouble for spelling her name wrong because I spelled it K-E-L-L-E with accents on each of these. What's that called? Is it that way? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, an acute, isn't it? It's a grammar. Right. that way. Right, it's acute, yeah. Uh, and I got told I'd spelled it wrong and I haven't. I got it right. God, the injustice. That burning injustice when you're a child, when you know you're right. 30 years I've held on to this. (laughs) Okay, so can we make this a purging so that you can get rid of and put that little piece of anger down? Yeah, but I got, um, because I was a member of the fan club. um, Obviously. They sent me a signed poster. Oh. Yeah. Uh, So I took it in, showed her. And (laughs) I can just imagine how much your teachers loved you. My teachers did love me because I was a teacher's pet. So, um, anyway, <laughs> who is with us this week, Kate? We have a fantastic guest this week. We have Kathy Maniera, who's an amazing character, comedian, uh, writer, and actor. Hello. Welcome, Thanks Kathy. Thanks for coming. Happy to be here. Uh, so, um, tell us about what you're up to, what you've been doing. What am I up to? Well, I, I've actually, I'm working on my first solo show. Exciting. Ooh. My debut hour, so to speak. Um, Does it have a name yet? It, it at the moment is called objectivity, but I am not sure if it's going to be called that in the end. Uh, but you are speaking to somebody who already regrets naming yeah. their first show something. Oh, yeah, okay. I know. I feel like something you're like. I feel like it's like when you choose your signature and then you get locked in too soon. But I, I have a solution because what I have now done after having had my first show, but I now have names for the following three shows, which <laughs> so That's I have good. to make yeah, them. Get them in the bank, yeah, early. right? Um, yeah, so it will be, I, I do character comedy and of late I've only been doing objects. So it will be like an hour of me pretending to be loads of different objects. Basically. I love it. Um, yeah, so that will be, I've got, well, that's the thing, I've already got slots booked in for it at festivals next year. So I'm like, I have to write it now. Yep. Um, that's the way, that's, what that's you do, how this right? works. Yeah, this exactly. is, otherwise you will not write it. I was yeah. once told that how you do a triathlon is you just book the triathlon and then you and will then you have, have to do, do it. Yeah. So yeah. it's like that, but less wet. I'm, I like that I'm like, yes, well, as if well. I have the faintest idea. Um, so, yeah, Glasgow Comedy Festival in April, Brighton in May, and then probably Edinburgh. Um, and work in progress is until then. So that's fun because I've always been, I'm in a duo as well called Horseplay. And up until now, um, all the kind of hour-long shows I've done have been two-hander yeah. kind of narrative um, shows. So it's, I love that, but it's really exciting to think about what it what it is. And scary to be doing it by myself. What do you think the differences um, are going to be? I think it's interesting because we're both working on solo shows. And I think it's really interesting to find out. The reason we work so well together is because our sense of humour is really similar. And, and we're interested in the same kinds of stuff. And yeah, we love character-led stuff and absurdity. But it's interesting to see how it diverges when we start working on solo things. So I think... <laughs> I think the stuff I do is 
Somebody used the word whimsical to describe <laughs> my comedy, which is a bit twee and I don't really like it, but I think it's a bit more, um, yeah, there's something, I mean, something about being objects and it, it, it's very, it's a kind of very pure silliness, I think. And Derek Mitchell, my comedy partner, is really brilliant at building out like fully formed human characters. <laughs> so he will do an hour of a character. Yeah. Um, which... I always find so impressed the kind of like Anaman Diane Chorley esque world building, which I personally struggle to do <laughs> by myself. Uh, I'd much rather pretend to be like a straw. What I do, <laughs> which seems perfectly logical. Um, I mean, to me, that sounds way harder. It's interesting, but that's the thing is, I think, I think, and we've both had that conversation together where we, we, yeah, we both think that what the other person does is harder, um, and it's it's fun to see how. Even but, even within the niche of character comedy, which is already niche, yeah, it manifests in totally into, different ways. I mean, you get that with so many things, because the amount of people that are like, oh, being a stand-up comedian must be so difficult. And yeah, you're, like, you're like, oh, no, I'm, but, being but a I, human's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, because I don't do stand-up as myself, really. And I, 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 I'm I like in awe of stand-ups, because I'm like, how do you... Really? Yeah, because you're just talk, talking. But it's... It's just any old. It's not just any old. Obviously, it's all beautifully crafted and carefully written. Mm. But the the flight of fancy and I, yeah, the word whimsical is horrific. But I can see why they used mm. it. And I'm trying to think of a better word because it is a bit icky, isn't it? There's a word, but it is. But that thing of the straw, and I've seen, I've seen your your, your stuff. It is so well. Sorry, this is going to sound really patronisingly faint phase, but so well thought through. And it's absolutely that thing of the way you bring it to life and actually get. Truths out there. I don't know where I'm going with this. Really, truths about a straw, but there is something. But it really, it's very, it's very realised and very multi-dimensional. I mean, I, I personally think. am in complete awe of people who do characters full stop. I mean, in particular, mm. character comedy because comedy is so hard anyway. Mm. But I can't understand how, like, the creativity involved to come up with a character is just so far beyond my abilities it's the reason why i don't mm. do, like i don't do halloween because i can't dress up because you need to be creative <laughs> to do that and i can't do it but i think it's so funny because to me it's which it's by the way is bad for a gay man <laughs> not, being able, not being able to do halloween is a real it's, disadvantage yeah. um but i i think it's to me it's like it's protective it's easier because i'm not myself on stage so if i bomb i'm like they don't like the character it wasn't me yeah I can see that. And I think, because I, yeah, when people say to me, oh, you're so brave doing that. And I'm like, well, it's just showing off for five minutes of the microphone. Mm. It's really not. But then there are days when if it doesn't go well, or, and I do talk about quite personal stuff, and yes, it's all processed and everything, but that exposing of, not literally, exposing <laughs> of yourself, though if it goes really badly, you never know. But that exposing yeah. can sometimes feel, I mean, I'm not comparing, I sound really pretentious now and horrendous, but I'm a bit of a lovey. But that can be hard. So I can see that with a character. Yeah. I find it. I just, that's such a, and I, I. I'm hiding, really. I, it's so weird because I think I would find it so much more exposing. I know, and I think a lot of people would because a lot of the stuff I do on stage is in many ways much more humiliating <laughs> <laughs> than if I was talking about my life. It's not even the humiliating. Clearly, I don't I can live with being humiliated, <laughs> clearly. But I, I, I feel like. If I'd come up with a character mm. and then I was like, oh, they just didn't like it. I think that would be worse for me. Right, it, because I've created, I've created yeah. something. Yeah. Like, but it's not... Yeah, yeah. But if you've shared your experiences and they've rejected that, that's you. Yeah, I... Mm, I don't, I've, mm, 
Kind of both can be awful, basically. Yeah. Basically, why, why, are, we why are we doing it? <laughs> What's going on? Um, no, but I th- do you know what? I think, I guess it depends on what your skill set is. Like, I have confidence in my ability to tell stories about what I know yeah. and my experience. Um, and I don't have any confidence in my ability to create hmm. something. I find that so interesting because don't you think that when you are telling stories, you are creating something? Like, is that not a creative skill? And yes, yes, it <laughs> yeah. is. Yes, it is. It is. And also, and we've talked about this, David, is that the, the version of you that is on stage talking about this, yes, it's true stories and it's it's authentically you, but it's a... Yeah, it's, a, like it's, it's an it's exaggerated, extend, it feels wrong because that sounds like it's dialed up. It's not, but it is a specific well, persona of you. It's not the full you. And this one argument that I have heard is that all comedy especially including stand-up, is character comedy. It's character comedy, yeah. comedy. yeah. It is really, character. I suppose, isn't it? I mean, it's Lorraine, isn't it? But it's just a character that I, I haven't had to... The invention of the comedian isn't as... Di- like, I just... Mm. I, I couldn't come up with... And like, if you were like, be a strop... This is why I was terrible at drama school. Mm. <laughs> I, I can't, drama school? Yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't be an acorn <laughs> into a tree. I can't do it. Yeah, it's it's silly. I mean, that's why, because I did a lot of drama as well, unsurprisingly. Um, whenever people see me perform, they're like, you're also an actor. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah fair yeah. enough. Um, Inter- but- interesting that you don't... Um, you, that's not, not saying that you don't want. No, go on. Well, just like... like, <laughs> like so one of my pet peeves is when you see uh, someone doing straight stand-up and they come on and tell people they're an actor. Oh, I don't like that because no, I feel like no. it explodes the... Yeah, yeah the construct And so I feel like you're obviously feeling the same as that as people come up to you and say that as yeah. opposed to... Because I would rather yeah. people didn't know that I'd had that training. Because I think yeah, it... Because yeah, yeah. I, well, I think oh, it, I'm fully trained. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, as good as it gets. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it removes the illusion that I'm just yeah. stood on stage talking yeah, what's coming out of my brain, which is obviously the illusion that stand-up comedy is, right? Yeah. But it's so funny that you say that because I think that's part of what character comedy is and what the silliness of, of what I do comes from finding that sort of, like, training really absurd. No, I, I actually haven't been to drama school, but all those, like, theatre games... Yeah. But, but done with complete sincerity is one of the funniest things in the world to me. Yeah, the fact this that there's so the strange. fact that there are nine million versions of Zip Zap Boing mm. like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so says funny. it all, really. But then I also do sort of love it and buy into it. it, it, it like, it's a funny, like, love-hate. Before our Never next gig, we'll do Zip Zap, play a game of Zip Zap Boing Good together. We'll get, yeah, get rid of yeah. <laughs> I've never, because in the musical theatre group, I mean, we do Zip Zap Boing, and I never quite understand why we're doing it. I know it's reaction, is it? Is it observation and reaction? All of that, yeah, and coordination, like, and getting into your body, out, being yeah. present in the moment, all of that. I'm not very good at that, am I? You're quite terrible at all of those things. So, what does mediocre mean to you? Um, I think mediocre means unremarkable in the most literal sense of like, this sounds really harsh, but sort of just not worth talking about. You know, I think mediocre is like not of note. I mean, be careful because I'm I attempting know. to make a career out of talking about it. So. <laughs> but I, think that, I think that's what's so interesting about it because when something is really bad, it is worth talking about. Yeah. And obviously when something's really good. And I think that's what mediocre is. It's sort of just like, okay, it is. But there's nothing in particular to, to grab you. Sh- to shout Bland, about, yeah. about this thing. Bland and beige. And it's like indifference being the worst thing. Love and hate are, yeah. are connected. Yeah. I'd rather, yeah. No, I wouldn't rather be hated, obviously, but indifference feels worse. 
Mm, yeah, that's quite good, actually. It came out quite brutal, though, didn't it? No, but, but I don't actually think that's really a bad thing. Yeah. I think that is what, what me... I think, yeah, that is what it is to me. It's just, it's not of note. Yeah, I, okay, I get yeah. that. Which is what you say in your show. And the, and the thing is, the pullback and reveal for me is that you're not, obviously. I mean, you're standing on stage getting people to watch you. I don't think that is the pullback and reveal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Of your show is actually, guys, I'm incredible. <laughs> 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 You've just a little bit media. And I have your life and £7.50 of your money that you're not getting back. It's more expensive at Vaults. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, okay, good. Um, what do you love that everyone else thinks is mediocre? Well, so yeah, I was thinking about this, and actually, I think this is a very hard question because. Most of the things that I love... Let me tell you, other people that have been on the pod have had literal breakdowns yeah. trying to answer. We didn't <laughs> yes, realise we were causing mental problems it, for it, people. It feels like um, a contradiction because most of the stuff I love, I, I love it because I don't think it's mediocre. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the point. Then I was thinking, what is mediocre by definition? Amdram. <sighs> Amateur dramatics. Yes. And I think there's something so special... And it's kind of, I can expand this out, I guess, into like any hobby. And I actually think you should be mediocre at your hobbies. And there is something that I find magic, and this is what Amjam has, but anything that like a, oh God, I, I just got, I was once called a hobbyist by somebody and this just came back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Some trauma <laughs> repeating. If you are genuinely a hobbyist, they were talking about my comedy, which is not a hobby. So I was wow. Ooh. That is harsh. It was really yeah. horrible. It was, ooh, anyway. Sorry, that just came back to me. Um, <laughs> Do you need to name and shame? Uh, no, but it was it was an agent that I had a meeting with. Wow. Who called me a hobbyist, who obviously is not my agent now. Wow. And I have a much better agent, so... <laughs> Jokes on them. Um, <laughs> but, no, I think there's something, like, brilliant in that mediocrity, because that's the point of it. Like, you're yeah. not trying to make money out of it. You're not trying to be the best at it. You are doing it purely the love and the joy of it and sometimes i love watching somebody who is not bad at something but just fine there is a breed of people that do particularly amdram i think who yeah. don't consider it to be a hobby though don't you think no no that yeah Which thinking of one of my mum's old friends when i was a kid <laughs> yeah. that's she's kind of very funny and marvelous like, as well isn't it? something quite I epic about it i mean there's like and there's like a joy to somebody doing like a, a decent painting and you think yeah. good for you You've, you've had a lovely mm. time. You've done a painting. It's about the doing of it rather than yeah. the end result. Not everything has to be the Mona Lisa or whatever. The, the doing of it. and It's about the journey, not I'm the destination. I'm trying desperately not to say that, which is mm. why I was losing weight. But I think there but is. I'm, yeah, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive perfectionist. I'm, I'm a classic Virgo. Um, <laughs> but I really struggle with that. And it's something that I'm trying to get better at. Because, I mean, comedy is an interesting example because it did start as a hobby. And now it's something that I'm doing professionally. But then I realised the other day I don't really have a hobby anymore. And I think it's quite important to yeah, do things that you that's... don't try to monetize, that you don't try yeah. to be the best at, that you actually just do for the joy of doing them. And I'm bad at that. The MT group that I'm in is... I'm going to be really rude to them now, probably. I'm never going to speak to them. Ever. But I'd say we're a really good example of that. And yeah. when I think about the joy of doing it, it's a joy of, it's normally a Saturday afternoon. Um, we do two hours. We're doing extra rehearsals at the moment, except I'm not because it's happening now when I'm here. <laughs> so it's, you know, I can opt out of it. But it's the joy of coming together to do that, to make it happen. And all the nonsense and the fun and the silliness. And yeah. when it goes really well, it's great. And if, if it doesn't go well, it doesn't matter. Exactly. I went to see a show they did last week and they were excellent. Great. They were brilliant. 
my accent wasn't. I had to do an American accent, and I can't do American so accents. Do Most that. of the people on the stage were excellent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it was really good. It was, and actually, it, so they did uh, Legally Blonde, yes. but they did like a gender confused version. Well, it was <sighs> gender irrelevant. Ooh. It was quite, it was good. Yeah. It was really good. It, it did good. make some of the scenes confusing, though, because the, the courtroom scene, that is very specifically about gender. If you, yeah. Within, yeah. within the show, there's the bit where they sing about, um, is he gay or European? Classic number. Yeah. Absolutely great song. Mm-hmm. But obviously in that particular moment, gender's quite important when they're trying to assess yeah. whether he's attracted to the same sex or not. Yeah. It all got very slightly confusing. Not helped by the fact that I had one line solo singing in that, which only got at the last minute because someone dropped out and I just couldn't remember it, so I just stood up and sang meaningless words. Did you notice that? <laughs> I thought all of the words you stood up and sang were meaningless words. You know that awful moment we've all had on stage, I think, I, very, where you just stand up and you think, my brain is just my completely empty. empty. Yeah. Mm. I will uh, say, not to use you as the example of this now, but that, this is what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. I love that. Like, There's such a pure joy in watching that kind yeah. of show where there's like a degree of chaos yeah and it oh, just it's like just the whole point is that yeah. it's mediocre yeah and no one's pretending that it's not and yeah. i just it makes me feel like warm and fuzzy inside. and it's worth doing anyway and i yeah. think that's really lovely and it's interesting for me looking at that alongside doing the doing my comedy now which i am trying not to be as a hobbyist and trying to do seriously and then mm. that gives me different things now it actually means that i need less of that performance time in the musical theater group because i'm getting it in other ways, mm, I am. I know this is fictional, so therefore not. But I, there's part of me that is desperate. I love the Archers, and every year there's normally a big thing about the Christmas show that Linda Snell, any other Archer listeners out there, and it's always it's everything about this. It's, she takes it too seriously. She twists people's arm. Oh, give anything to be an Archers show. Anyway, neither of you two watch it, so Seriously. that's completely tumbleweed moment. <laughs> but she's not doing it. Please, you're listening, Linda Snell. <laughs> yeah, uh, great. And so, um, I love that. I'm now just thinking about the line that I should have got right last week. But anyway, moment's gone, Kate. Not about you, Kate. Yeah, all about me. Um, So, can you tell us something about you that you think is mediocre? Well, I, I suppose inspired by you, David, and the title of the show, was reflecting on how I often feel like a mediocre queer. And especially being, I'm bisexual, bisexual woman. And I think there's a degree of, like, imposter syndrome. I as I go on my queer journey less and less so thankfully but especially when I first came out and started being in queer spaces how long ago did thing. you come out well and when again it's like which time but, yeah. <laughs> I came out to my parents when I was like 14 but then had a boyfriend from like 16 to 19 so was like out but not like exploring that at all so yeah in my early 20s and yeah, I would have that thing of being like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm not gay enough and everyone knows. And and I felt like I had to prove it. And um, especially like on dates with women, I I think, I don't, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what, what it's like for bisexual men, but I think there is a sense sometimes in among queer women, there is a degree, there can be a degree of judgment, especially from lesbians. I've definitely had that before. I've where, heard that. Where yeah. There's a kind of... Um, and I understand where it comes from. There's a scepticism because there are some women who kind of like experiment but aren't really, which again is fine, but I can understand how that's frustrating yeah. if you are like looking for a life partner and you find yourself going on a date with all these kind of like women who never dated a woman and are just like, oh, I don't know what I want. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I understand where that comes from, but that feels scary when you're stepping into it because yes. you're like, well, I don't know and I can't pretend that I do, but 
also I don't want to waste your time, but like I have to start somewhere yeah. and blah blah blah. So that kind of I, yeah, that yeah. Yeah, it's gonna identify completely yeah. with that. And as someone who came out uh, when she was fifty at the start of the lockdown so I didn't really get a chance to do much about it for two mm. years anyway but I'm very conscious of that and also the fact that because I've lived most while it makes sense of things for things that I've done as well over the last 50 years um it does make sense of that so it clearly was always there but it, mm. I didn't have the um experience of growing up knowing that I was different I, I didn't know I was different but knowing that I was going to be able to put a name to it or or having any yeah. of that journey so when I hear people talking about their queer journeys and it's not oh, this sounds awful like I'm jealous of their trauma I'm not but I'm conscious that I can't I yeah, don't have that and I don't want to look like I'm piggybacking on it or well it's that's the thing is it's a really different experience I yeah. think and, and yeah there is a it's a weird phrase to use but like I'm I'm aware that I can sometimes be straight passing right which is a privilege like I can I, I don't necessarily always read as queer like I can like talk about men I've dated and you know so that is that that is a different experience mm. but equally somebody told me a stat recently apparently bisexual people are out to a a smaller proportion of bisexual people are out to their close friends and family than gay people which actually makes sense makes again because you sense, can yeah. get away with yeah. pretending, but there is again, there's a specific type of. But not necessarily. I oh, so I feel like so I've been remarkably quiet during this because I'm nervous about saying anything that's going to get me cancelled. Because <laughs> you don't believe in bisexuality. No, I absolutely. <laughs> I believe that you two exist because you're right. You so <laughs> um, I think there's something around what. So you just said um, that uh, pretending. I don't think it's that. The science do a passing. I yeah. mean, there mm-hmm. is a number of gay men who have the privilege of passing. Yeah. Something I don't have. Um, and that means that they have a really different experience yeah. of the world than I yeah. do. Um, and, like, as we're filming this at the moment, the whole thing in Qatar is on uh, with the World Cup. And one of the things that um, came up is obviously that they chose not to wear mm. the armbands because they were going to get a yellow card or whatever, something to do with football. No real idea what that means. <laughs> um, but for me, that represents the same kind of thing because I, because I don't pass, I don't get to be gay part-time. Yeah. Like, on my journey here, I, it, I'm, it's obvious. Yeah. I, yeah. I live this life, I don't get to make mm. that choice. And so when you get an ally, like, say, the England football captain saying, do you know what, I'm going to wear this armband and that will be supportive. And then as soon as it causes them something inconvenient, mm. they then don't do it. Mm. That is that that like great because I mm. don't have the option to opt in and out. And so I wonder this isn't I, this is specifically not how I feel. But I do wonder if part of the problem comes about when if you meet people who can pass, whether that's because of how they appear or because they're bisexual and therefore they may date somebody of the opposite sex for mm. a period of time. There's almost that thing where like, well, you get to opt out yeah. if it yeah. gets difficult. Yeah. Which yeah. not everybody does. And, but I do wonder if there's an element of that. Like, not how I feel. That's very clear. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I do no, wonder that, if yeah. there's yeah, that, that because is, I, I'm yeah. very acutely aware. Like my, I, I felt really strongly about the armband thing about the football because it was just like I can't opt out of this. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. This is it's been this way forever, and it and it really makes it obvious to me that you know, I don't want an ally like that who, as soon as mm, well, it affects that's not you, an ally. No. exactly right. As soon as it affects you, then you don't do it. If you're not going to put up with the pain, mm. you know, two days after five people got shot in a gay club, mm. like. It, we don't get to opt out. So I think there's something to do with the passing and the opting mm. out. But that really, I think, is needs to be more of an educational thing within our community because it's not... Yeah. Um, because obviously we are all a group of people that are learning as well and, so, and mm. where language is so important. For example, where perhaps historically we would use the word clean, mm. where we now wouldn't 
to mm. describe like a, a someone who doesn't have who isn't HIV oh, positive. Oh, okay. But now we don't say we yeah. wouldn't say clean because that's the wrong sort of language. And so yeah. over time we've learned. And I feel like there's some work to be done here, like in mm. the discussion around bisexuality and things like that, because mm. historically potentially say lesbians have felt less like they want to date somebody who's bisexual mm. do you see what i mean yeah it's funny because there is that thing i think and this, i think this is true of gay men as well of like gold star lesbians mm. and gold star gays which who, who are people who've like never had sex uh-huh. with the opposite sex which <laughs> i i think that you know that in itself is like, the idea that that is like a badge of honor yeah. and that that makes you a better gay i is really difficult it's like, um so oh god is it you're, you're looking <laughs> it's something that i feel really strongly about yeah. um mm. i'm technically a platinum gay i was gonna bring yeah. up <laughs> okay well done brad well no, done but, you no but this well is done the you refusing to come out naturally <laughs> but this is the point like for me i i find that whole discussion really repulsive because it's built in misogyny absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. and i think it's like i spend so we're a member of um, a gay dance company and there's lots of like kids who are like in their early 20s and they will have conversations like this and i feel like i have to speak up because Mm. it's really easy for there to be quite a lot of misogyny within the gay male community yeah definitely um and i i can't be doing Mm. with it um and it plays in like it's the same thing and actually to come full circle here that's what i felt in because i mean side point there there are not very many spaces for queer women at all yeah so i've been in a lot of gay bars that are predominantly men we were in a group of gay men last night and we had that discussion didn't we so we do recognize it yeah we're not opening any bars for you but we recognize (laughs) it thank you for that but the thing awareness is all that matters the thing about that that then i have found hard and again it's like that imposter thing is whether or not it's true, I have the impression sometimes that those men are looking at me and thinking, oh, it's a woman in a gay bar. She's coming yeah. to have a fun time. Oh, isn't that nice? And I want to be like, I'm one of you. Yeah. I find myself engineering the conversation to make yeah, exactly. yeah exactly. Like, like, I'm doing something. Dating a woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I had a sound every woman. time Kate's like, I'm <laughs> bisexual. <laughs> yeah. I could retire. My, um, one of my friends um was in she went she went for the first time to her like their LGBTQ network meeting at work. And um uh, and uh they were chatting afterwards and somebody was chatting to her and went, um oh so like where do you fit in here? And she went, oh, I went bisexual and he was like no, no, in the company. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it's the most relating thing ever. Yes. Because one of them turned to her and was like, you don't have to like qualify your queerness. It's so fine. <laughs> but I just... Yeah, I mean the the like the the gay bar and the gay club thing. Really, that's an issue with um, straight people taking over yeah, our spaces. Of course, yeah, of course. Like, I actually, it was funny. I went to a, a gay bar in Amsterdam, so cultured, this weekend, mm. and um, one of my friends was like, "Oh, anyone catch your eye?" And I was like, oh, "Maybe, maybe." And he was like, "You can't kiss a boy here, by the way." And I was like, "Really?" And he was like, "No, no, like if a man and a woman, or who are perceived to be a man and a woman, kiss, they will be thrown out of this bar." It's a very like protected quiz. I'm space. kind of on board with that. Well, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I to be yeah, honest, you can possibly you want. possibly burnt at the stake would be a more appropriate <laughs> okay, dealing with the situation. It was, it was funny because I was like, "But what if it's two bisexual people kissing?" I was like, "That's yeah." I'm, but I, I understand. But the, I understand the point the is that can happen yes, anywhere. anywhere. Yes. Yeah, and 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 our spaces are so frequently being taken yes. over by yeah. hen parties. Oh and, my god! Yeah, yeah. Like we were somewhere the other way, and there was a stag do there, and it's like what? what? 
yeah it, yeah so that's why it comes up but it, i can see I, why I it makes things really yeah, difficult and it was funny though because i i totally understand it. and i think i do actually agree with it as a policy but i was just like oh that's really weird like that the i therefore i don't know so you're actually the second female comedian that we have um spoken to recently who says that they're not very queer presenting or feels like mm. they're not very queer presenting and i'm just sat here going You've like you look pretty queer presenting I, to me. <laughs> I would not yeah, like approach you and be I, like, no, you shouldn't be in this gay bar, lady. <laughs> you, be, I, I would be like, here's a nice lady for you. To, here's a nice lady for you to meet. <laughs> I I have two I have two thoughts on okay. this. The first is I think that's really interesting because I think there is, thankfully, the idea of what a queer woman looks like I think is being broadened, and I think part of it is that I grew up lesbians in. Firstly, there were no bisexual women in the culture that I that wasn't a thing yeah and then the lesbians in culture especially in the early 2000s are like really butch and i think i was always like well i'm not that and so yeah therefore i am not not a lesbian like it was yeah i mean representation of queer people yeah both both sexes and all orientations is has been and still is poor yeah and it's one of those things where it really really profoundly affected like how I grappled with my identity because for a long time I was like I just that isn't me so therefore am I not that do you know yeah. what I mean 100 yeah. like, really, percent completely yeah. Yeah. it's very difficult to be what you can't see yeah, yeah. very difficult like that. put that on a t-shirt <laughs> um but then the other I probably thing... have at some point <laughs> you'll yeah, probably find somewhere. that in my store <laughs> um but the other thing for better or worse is that I have actually been more deliberate about it and but in an, in a way that is like quite affirming to me. I, I've actually, this is a new haircut, but before this I had a mullet and I had a mullet for two years. And part of that was like, yeah, I want to look really gay. And I want, it was really funny because people assumed I was straight up until that point when they would first meet me. And then I had the complete opposite where people would assume I was gay and then would be surprised that I was bi. And it was just like interesting. And I think very helpful for me to have that experience. Yeah. And I, I think I'm now sort of netting out somewhere in the middle. And that's because when I was probably going through the final bits of figuring out who I was, I had undercuts and I had colours put in my hair. Yeah. And, they, and I think it was, and I wanted to be more demonstrative. And it ended up getting more and more rainbow to the point of being not great. But, but now that I've sort of gone through that, I kind of, I mean, this is incredibly straight hair, I, I suppose. It's, but yeah, it's I, that thing of like, I, I am feeling different inside. And I need that. Yeah. I need people to see that. Like, I need that. Because I definitely, I, I have a friend who, when they came out as non-binary, presented really androgynous, but now are playing with that yeah. identi- like d- gender expression a lot more again. And it's interesting to see how sometimes you almost need to be like, newsflash, something's different. Yeah. And then once you've done that, you can kind of work You've got to learn what marriage is. My nose piercing was an important part of that as well, for yes. heaven's sake. But yeah, absolutely classic, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it is about... You, you can't work it out. You've got to try these identities on, right? Yeah. Which is something that I don't feel like it was as easy to do previously. But now when mm. you need to take some time to settle into your queerness and mm. be well, and then you can start to play with that identity. And I say that as someone who's only recently grown long hair, despite Love wanting you. it for like 20 years. Looks great. Thanks. I mean, obviously not recently grown it because it takes two years of growth. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Okay, amazing, really interesting. Where can we find you online, and where can we see you? Um, Other than at the Queer Comedy Club, but where else can people find Um, you? I am on Instagram, Kathy Kathy MM. Kathy with a K. Um, and all my gigs and stuff are on there. Me and my comedy partner host a character comedy night called The Horsies, which is every couple of months at the Glory. 
Um, and then, yes, I'm working on the solo show. So all the dates of the festivals and that will all that be on your socials. All be on there. Amazing. Yeah. So we will make sure that we follow up and come and see you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mr. David Ian. You can check out my website, davidian.co.uk. And you can find me on Instagram at KTS Dale. And I'm also working on my one woman show, which will be doing various festivals, Leicester, Brighton, and details of that will be on my socials as well. And you can check out queercomedyclub.co.uk for tickets to see people like us and loads of other amazing comedians. But thanks for watching and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Mediocre Gay, the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the show. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Mediocre Gay Pod or share your mediocre secrets with us on MediocreGayPod at gmail.com.